Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinny, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we got a little OTA roundup. Plus, we have Chris the Entertainer. Uh, we talked with him for about 40 to 45 minutes, just all, about all things New York Giants. Um, so, I've got a couple things I want to talk about with Daniel Ballinger and, and a few other camp notes. Or OTA notes. Justin, how you doing, my man? Hey, Bobby Skinner. Past weekend, uh, last weekend, went to Charlotte. Really saw one of the best races that I've ever seen live at Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks to everybody that came out. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, for those of you who kind of came on, Tucker Cherry, Research Rick, Tim Coffey, Stephen uh, Stephen Verderosa, not Stephen Verderosa. <laughs> Isn't that the Giant Scout? Yeah, Stephen Verderosa, <laughs> Stephen Duranto, and um, Mr. Brownstone. So thank you all for kind of coming on that was a lot of fun in charlotte so uh, and then this this weekend i'm going to nhra drag racing in epping new hampshire so if you're going to be in epping new hampshire i'll be there all right so i want to get into uh to some ota talk but first this episode was brought to you by some special people we got besterve four that's that's the weirdest name we got dan highland he comes from the the, the lands that are high gary roman romans uh roman answers um I don't know. I just think of, of Romanowski. Connor uh, McManamy. His McMahon, Amy. McMahon, Amy. Connor. John, uh, he's in the World Beater Tour. Jonathan Osborne, who owned, who hosts the, the six-man Orlando Magic's podcast. I'm, I've been following them for a while. Oh, cool. He's in the World Beater. Frank Nardi. He's in the World Beater. And Justin. Wow. And... We had the first person ever in Mark Zanetto join the family tier. The first person ever. That's awesome. He's gonna he gets a free T shirt. He's gonna we're gonna do a live stream with him next week, and then he gets fifteen stickers. No what? So so we're doing this live stream next week. Yeah, most likely. Wow, Mark, welcome, welcome to the family. If you want to join, family world beater tier, whatever you want, patreoncom slash giants. Mark, you are awesome. Plus, a lot of our other patrons are awesome too that joined today. Thank you to our patrons. You can get uh, access to the live shows as we record them. You also get some stickers, magnets. Bobby Skinner will send you in the mail. And then also two times a month, you get access to shirt raffles. Patreon.com slash All right, Justin. The first thing that – the thing that's been really sticking out to me from OTAs is, you know, you read all the reports, some from the Giants and then the beat reporters when they're there, is the passing game seems to be very aggressive. You know, there's being touchdowns thrown all over the yard. But the name that keeps popping out at me, and Zach Rosenblatt reported that he's running with the first team, and the guys behind, and it's not like just splitting reps. Like the other guys on the roster are only getting second team reps. Is fourth round pick out of San Diego State tight end Daniel Bellinger? This position was weak, but I am very excited to see how well that they're moving him along because I don't care if the tight end group is weak. He's a fourth round rookie. And coaches are very slow to give in this period of time when they're not contact, they're not preparing for a game. Um, they're very slow to give those young guys the first team reps. You know, they give there is a seniority to it. Obviously, guys like Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau are going to be thrown right into their roles right away. But guys like Daniel Bellinger, I wasn't expecting it. You know, uh, even though I did expect Daniel Bellinger have a huge role, so I'm I'm really excited, man. He's catching touchdowns in the red zone. This really is the tight end I've been wanting. Um, for Daniel Jones and the New York Giants is a guy who I think is going to be solid, dependable, not, not going to be super flashy, can add stuff in the receiving game, can uh, uh, block well. Um, and that's the thing with Bellinger is he he's going to have some growing pains as a blocker, but he's already the best blocker on the team over Ricky Seals-Jones and Jordan Aiken. So I'm really excited to see how fast Daniel Bellinger is moving along with this Giants team. Some may say smart, tough, dependable, right? Um yeah, the, the thing that's significant about Daniel Bellinger getting uh, first-team reps this early is that there's no other injuries that are present in the tight end room versus in the wide receiver room, edge rusher, offensive line. Like, there's injuries and guys wearing red jerseys all over the place. And tight end, you have Ricky Seals-Jones and Jordan Akins. They're healthy. They're there. They're ready to go. And Daniel Bellinger is getting the first-team reps over them, which I didn't think it would happen this fast. But, hey... If they feel he's ready, number one. And number two, like, I do think Daniel Bellinger can be a better football player right now, even in 2022, than those two guys. So, all for it. Let's rock and roll. 
and those are two guys who have started games at tight ends, have played a good amount of football in the NFL, you know. So if this was Chris Myrick and Rice and John, it'd be like, okay, yeah, it makes sense that Daniel Bellinger is just being thrown in there automatically. But again, teams are very slow to throw these rookies in with just like first team soul, like the, you know, first team only reps for them, especially when you have vets like Seals Jones and Akins behind them. Um, so it, they're throwing them in there. And again, Seals Jones and Akins are only getting second team reps. You know, so uh, they're running a lot of 11 on 11, 7 on 7. These practices have been intense. Uh, the wide receiver group has been really thin. So, I mean, I've been I've been trying to stop myself, but every report I read out of these OTAs gets me excited for the offense, even though I'm trying to, like, you know, tell myself to, you know, cool the Jets a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm not paying attention to touchdowns, interceptions, and stuff like that, but what I am paying attention to is the personal grouping frequency. Um, in terms of, hey, are they lining up 10 personnel, 11 personnel? How often are they doing it? Um, there was even something from Zach Rosenblatt who wrote on Thursday where he said that Darius Slayton was in the backfield, so I can imagine that would be either Wondell Robinson or Kadarius Toney. Yeah, Darius Slayton in the backfield, and then Saquon Barkley was lined out in the slot. You didn't just have two running backs out there, one being in the backfield, one one in the slot. So that was really something that's new and interesting. Like, hey, Tony and... Wanda Robinson, they can be these guys that lines up in the backfield every once in a while. Um, and then I think Saquon Barkley actually did catch a touchdown out of one of those formations out of the slot um, during Thursday's practice, which was cool. And also, something that Dan Duggan wrote in his observations was a ton of pre-snap motion. Ton of it, ton of it, ton of it. And that just makes sense. Like that, It's something that NFL teams, and specifically the Giants, that is something that they should do with the personnel that they have should do pre-snap motion. It is a legal form of cheating in the NFL. Do it more often, and Garrett never did it. Yeah, so again, the, we've talked about like, okay, they have Evan Neal. That's a huge upgrade over over Nate Solder and whatever upgrades. But the biggest upgrade is the play caller. Yes. You know, and that was our biggest thing with Jason Garrett was, you know, when we were reaming against him, people were like, well, you know, the offensive line is not good. It's not going to be good without him. But it's like, it's going to be a hell of a lot better. He's the the thing that's holding back this offense the most, um, you know, and obviously he was fired and then the judge, Freddie Kitchens with Mike Glennon era started. Um, but again, I really do think the play calling standpoint from Brian Dable and Mike Kafka is the biggest upgrade that this team got over this past offseason. You know, that doesn't mean the Giants offense is going to be, you know, that doesn't mean Daniel Jones is going to be Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. It just means it's going to be significantly better. And now, you have some wep- you have some weapons. Hopefully they can stay healthy. You got some bookend tackles and and some offensive linemen on the middle who are capable of playing and not just out there because we're they're the only guys on the roster. So I am starting I'm starting to get excited to see this offense in camp and going forward because it's been two years of just the most abysmal offensive performances week in and week out. No, and I think I think we should be excited. Like we should be one hundred percent excited for the offense and what they're going to look like because it's not with the mentality that does not match what the game is today. And that's what the last two years have been. Just it, it did not match. We were just hoping and praying for something different from what we knew that Jason Garrett was. That's what we were we were hoping. Oh, maybe he can change. Maybe the players can just rise above the scheme. No, it's the scheme and the coaching, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is going to be an advantage this year. And I'm kind of confident when I'm saying that. Anything else that stuck out from you um, from these OTAs? Um, I'm nervous. I'm still nervous about guys that aren't healthy and seeing how many guys are wearing red jerseys. But when you do break it down of who's wearing the red jersey, Blake Martinez is wearing a red jersey, Sterling Shepard's wearing a red jersey, Kenny Galladay wasn't even there, um, at least on Thursday. Andrew Thomas is still recovering from the ankle injury. I know Kayvon had a red jersey on. Darnay Holmes wasn't there on Thursday, but I'm st- I'm I am still nervous that the Giants are going to have a health issue this year. Even though you look at it now and you look at the guys that are on the side, it's most of them make sense and it's expected. But I am still nervous that the Giants are going to have a health problem this year. Yeah, um, I just don't have any it, until guys actually get injured in camp and stuff. It's or get like serious injuries where like they're reported on. Like I'm just not stressing about it. Yeah. Because I, I just have no control over it. No, no um, I know. But at this time of the year, already seeing how many names are on, like, hey, this guy was on the side, this guy was on the side. It's like, hey, it's not great. Like, what are we actually doing? And guys are getting hurt, you know? 
Well, I don't think anyone's gotten hurt. I mean, they're almost all ex- they're exclusively like guys who had injuries. Um, I think besides, besides Kayvon, Kayvon and was Aaron Robinson also a guy that was on the side? I didn't see anything no, about Darnay that. No, Holmes was not there, so, you know. Yeah, yeah and we don't know for what reason that was. Or doesn't matter, or though. Whatever. Doesn't matter. OTAs. Um, so. Um, I got any- something else. Go for it. We, we briefly mentioned this during our convo with uh, the Entertainer, but Josh Azudu is getting first-team uh, first left tackle reps because Andrew Thomas is, is, isn't healthy. Do, you, do we think they should just bring in another camp body or just another body so Azudu isn't playing tackle, or do you kind of like that they're trying to get the versatility thing going? You know what I don't like is that with this new iPhone, you can put your phone on Do Not Disturb, but it still gives you notifications. I don't know. I don't have that issue. <laughs> That's what I don't like. Oh, um, yes, I agree with you. Let Azudu work at guard. I understand he has that flexibility, but, you know, uh, Jeff Stoutland, who's the Eagles online coach, he's a big believer of, like, let a guy master position before you start cross-training him. And I'm I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm starting to become a believer of that, too. And especially for Azuda, who's never – like, we have Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal as the tackles. And I know Parrott is – like you, you mentioned, Parrott. But let Corey Cunningham be the first-team left tackle for now. Um, you know, I would let Azudu just focus on guard. Like, let him focus on getting better at guard, working on his sets out of guard, working on hand usage out of guard. Um, and again, these aren't the, these aren't, these OTAs, you, you're not like, there's like some stats of like, Ellerson Smith got a sack. It's like, I don't look at, I don't care about those at all because they do not have pads on at this time. So the performance of O line, D line doesn't bother me at all for OTAs. Yeah. But again, let, let Azudu work at guard is my thing. Yeah, and they and I think somebody was even talking about Dable was talking about how even just walkthroughs for rookies are valuable, and you know if you're walking through at a position that you're not going to be mostly playing or you're not projected to play long term in the NFL, especially this is you know the first time that they're really getting together as a team. I, I that that stuff is significant. So um, if it comes down to bringing in another camp body, try and bring in another camp body, or just let Corey Cunningham go, let Josh Azudu uh, develop at guard because he's raw to begin with. Before we cross-train, let's get him developed at that spot, like you said. Um, some other just quick notes. Dane Belton pushing for playing time with Julian Love. Cool. Uh, they had Nico Lelos as a backup long snapper, and I have been waiting to read that since we signed him as a UDFA because I saw that there. I actually made a gif of him as a long snapper at Dartmouth. Is that where he went? Yes. So I, had, I made a gif of him long snapping at Dartmouth. It was like a hype video. It's still floating around there somewhere, and I've been reading, hoping that he would be the backup long snap for the Giants, and he is, but he had a snap that sailed over the head of Jamie Gillian's head. He had a pick six on Davis Webb, too, so how about that? Um, Just forces right. turnovers. We're going we're gonna to send it to the interview with Christiana Tana. Slide into stacks of cash this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets no matter what. Win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during MLB season? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $5 and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens on the field. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. And here is Chris, the entertaining entertainer. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Uh, we now welcome on our good friend, host of Talking Giants with uh, Bad Dog and the Antenna. Chris, the entertainer. Um, it's, it's been good. We've we've known you for a couple years now, man. We're, we're, we're pretty friendly at this point. Um, but I always remember, I always, I always tell this story when you have, uh, we have you on is I first found out about you is when we create our YouTube after we already had the podcast talking giants and I Google, I searched talking giants and I'm like, Oh my gosh, not only is there someone who's using the name talking giants, like he's huge. So, uh, it's always good to get you, uh, get you on. 
Yeah, I mean, had I known that you guys were going to have a YouTube channel named Talking Giants, we probably wouldn't have named the show Talking Giants in the first place. But no, I've gotten to meet you guys a couple of times. Always a blast meeting you guys. Hopefully I get to meet you guys at training camp too. I think uh, you told me that uh, you guys were headed to training camp at some point uh, during the offseason. I also saw that you guys uh, kidnapped Andrew Thomas. I yeah. checked out that interview in your bus. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> so just hope you guys are enjoying your summer. And, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for the upcoming season. Well, that was actually my first question I had for you is you're coming to camp you're i hopefully they do a fan fest i'd love to do that event again you know we did that i have to uh, with, think they will it seemed like it was a popular event last year but it's the giants they don't they you know <laughs> it's like, true. It's we're true. like ah, we let you in camp we're not spending money on on this fan fest thing uh, so are, are we going to be able to kidnap you for a couple of days in the in the bus while we're down there mm. oh so so you guys are bringing the bus back oh th- it's own we uh, john boy media owns it so I'm gonna be staying down there. I'll, I'll probably get an Airbnb somewhere. I'll stay in the bus, and I'm like that will be my vehicles. I'm. I, I not only will I be bringing the training camp, I'm gonna be bringing it to Walmart to go get my groceries and mm. stuff. Yeah, I'm, you're I'm gonna bring it to uh, some giant games too, maybe some tailgates. That, that's pretty cool. Yes, that's that actually an idea Justin has. We'll, we're gonna throw talking giants magnets all over it, so it'll be very clear who who we are uh, at training camp. Would you have? Do you have any plans for for camp this year? Uh, Patricia Trainer told me that um, this isn't uh, this isn't definitive, but I think it's gonna happen. Especially being that it's announced now that it's gonna be open to the public. She said she gets one VIP pass, so she said she's gonna give it to me. I don't know what that entails. Um, she said, I may get to talk to some of the players. I'll probably be on the field. So that'll be a cool experience. That's awesome. So yeah. you're a scumbag. That so cool. That's, that's what you're doing for a training camp. <laughs> yeah. I'm a media scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, that's it's, cool. It's, it's, it's very, good. very cool. I, I'm definitely looking forward for them letting us back in and this will be my first year going to it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and in fact, I think camp can I almost tell the story better than preseason games. Like last year during preseason, this has been sticking with me because I love the preseason. I love analyzing the preseason. Two guys besides Carter Coffin, who missed a lot of times with injuries, stood like we're like, man, they're playing pretty well. Like this is this is good for them. Were Will Hernandez and O'Shane Zimenez, and they both had horrible seasons. So uh, camp is going to be the thing. It, ha- I'm really it happens every to. year. Yeah, you know, there's like two or three players we get. Ex- Will Hernandez, like you said, lost a ton of weight last year. We saw him pulling the preseason games. We were like, oh my god, he looks like a different player. And there's always two or three players every offseason that you get super hyped about. The year before, it was Daniel Jones with his muscles. Everybody was super excited about his biceps. Um, so I've learned to uh, take a wait-and-see approach and not get not get too high or too low with, with what we hear until the season starts. But camp is important, though. And, and, and camp here, is here, important, for sure. Here, here we go that. again. Chris, you know, you're, you're, this is the first time you're hearing it from me. But, you know, if for those who are listening, I talk probably uh, – Every, every three weeks, I go on a rant about how important training camp is. Because, I mean, uh, let's just use a positive as an example. Like, Rodarius Williams was right. the guy that the beat reporters kept on saying, oh, he looks good, he looks good, he looks good. He looked bad in the preseason games, but then he comes out, you know, in the couple games that he played before tearing his ACL, and he, like, held his own out there. It's like, oh, this is – that's wild how this, you know, this fifth-round pick, he's 27 years old, and he's holding a, and he's holding his own a corner. Um, but, you know, even the seasons where we had a lot of expectations, going back to 2018 – or not 2018, I'm sorry, 2017 – um, you know, 2017, the the year after we went 11 and five, and you know, Giants are going to Super Bowl, Brandon Marshall, Odell, all that kind of stuff. And you watch them in camp, and you watch those McAdoo practices. Like the team wasn't good, the offense wasn't good. Well, yeah. you know, you still have this expectation in your head about, oh, we're going to win at 10 plus games, 11 plus games. You know, but if there if there is a unit that doesn't look good in practice, odds are they're not going to look good in a game. And that's why I'm so excited to kind of get back in there to see, hey, if the offense looks good then let's get a little bit excited for the offense. Not overly excited, but let's get a little bit of excited. You know, if the defense looks eh, then let's be a little nervous. So practices do tell a very big story. So that's why I'm very glad that you'll be there, we'll be there, and I hope everybody sure. can join us. And, and, and last year, I know that you, I remember you went to the split squad in uh, in uh, Boston, right? That's how desperate. That's how desperate I am for practices, Chris. That's how desperate <laughs> I am. I will travel to Massachusetts to see them if I have to, so. We're not going to get that this year. It doesn't look like, well. Maybe we will, but I don't think we're going to get split squads this year. That was that seemed like a Joe Judge thing. Wouldn't that also be weird, Bobby? You're also muted. Wouldn't that be weird that we like the he would be like the OC or the passing game coordinator for the Patriots and these guys they all you know he was the How head coach the last year. That'd be a little weird. Yeah, I want to get I, up I, and close and personal with Judge. I want to see what's going on with them. Yeah, I, I I listen. I know like Joe Judge has like you know it, it ties to New England, but. How the hell 
did he become the offensive coordinator there? And I'm not knocking Judge. I still think he could be a pretty good coach if if he, you know, gets the, the proper situation and maybe he'll learn from his experience with the Giants. But did he seem like he was qualified to be? How is Matt player? Patricia like the running game coordinator? That's even stranger <laughs> than Judge. I think Bill Belichick really believed in Judge. I agree. Um, with in fact, I think he wanted him more so than Josh McDaniels to be the heir apparent to Bill whenever he left. Um, so I think it's like kind of giving him his opportunity. I, I'm I will be fascinated to see um, Joe Judge in New England and what that offense does this year. That is one non-giant thing I'm going to look at. You know, Patrick Graham and the Raiders. I'm going to be looking at them just out of like love you and miss you, my man. Judge, I'm just fascinated to see what that offense looks like under him. But with that, what coaching staff did you start doing like content under? Shermer. Yeah, Shermer, uh, the Barkley draft. After I didn't do that draft, but that season's when I first started. So okay, so you, that was Shermer's first year, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. three three regimes you've been doing content for. What's your outlook on this one? Where, you know, maybe a difference or something that you're more excited about them doing that others didn't because it's we're in the time right now with the new coaching staff where it's like they could do no wrong. Like they're at Rangers game and it's like, yeah, wow, look exactly. at the difference between Joe Judge and Brian Davis. Like, well. Joe Judge went to Knicks games. It was just, you know, they weren't, you know, he wasn't raw, raw. Like, this isn't going to be the reason why he's a good coach or not. Yeah, this is the honeymoon phase. Um, I mean, in terms of differences, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it. Um, you know, I, you know, because I, everybody, like, destroys James Betcher, rightfully so. But James Betcher came in with a similar reputation, at least in terms of accolades to the guy we're bringing in with Wink. He did a great job with Arizona. So I'm going to take my time. I'm going to analyze these coaches as things go along. But in terms of differences, it's kind of refreshing. And I'll be the first to say, I hyped up Joe Judge. I was excited about Joe Judge when we saw the opening press conference, when we saw the way that he handled himself. As first we all were. We all were. We were all yeah. on the Joe Judge train. But at the same time, when something doesn't work, you kind of want to try to do the opposite. And Dable, to me, seems like polar opposite to Joe judge, you know, like when you used to listen to Joe judge speak to the media, it was almost like he looked in the mirror and recited it 10 times before he went up on the stage with Dable. And I, I've said this a few times, it almost feels like when I go live on YouTube and I don't know what the hell I'm going to say. And I, and, and Dable just speaks from off the cuff. And I think that's kind of refreshing, uh, you know, being that we're coming from judge and we want changes giants fans. So I like that about him. He, he seems to be the type of guy that, He's just going to speak his mind. And he also seems that's the type of OC he's going to be, uh, whether or not he's calling the plays, who knows it might be Kafka, but it seems like he's going to, he's going to go week on a week by week basis. He's not going to be a guy that's kind of like, you know, he, he has to do things a certain way. Um, so we'll see. But so far, like you said, it's a honeymoon phase. I got nothing really bad to say. I like a lot of the things that Joe Shane did this offseason. He did what I wanted him to do. He didn't backload a lot of salaries. He didn't sign anybody to ridiculous contracts. And, of course, the two guys we ended up with in, in the first round, I think we're pretty excited about. So, um, so far, good start. Um, but I'm going to take a patient approach. I'm not going to set the expectations way too high. Um, and I'm not going to kill them if the team wins five or six games because I realize this is a rebuild. This is year one. Um, and we'll see what happens. But so far, so good. I, li I like the approach so far by the new regime. Media sessions kind of don't matter. So, like, when Judge was giving those long answers and everyone liked him, they were amazing. And then when he was giving those answers when we were losing, it sucked. So, it'll happen to Dable, too, if, you know, if, if the tides turn on Dable. But they do, like you said, they're polar opposites. Joe Judge had a three-minute speech for every question where Brian Dable answers questions like he doesn't even know the answer to them. He's like, I, yeah. he's like, I guess. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. What do you think? You know, like, it's authentic he, though. It's authentic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was like, you know, we clip all the pressers. Like Dable gives us absolutely nothing to clip. Where Judge, it was like we're gonna get a thoughtful answer on something. Dable, Dable's just like, I'm not here to. I'm here to coach football, not get talk to the media. Um, the other big point is year four Daniel Jones. Um. What are your thoughts on him going into 2022? And then with that, do you think there's a, like, what do you think the chances are he's back in 23? I think they're higher than some people may think. I wouldn't say I'm, I, I, I don't, if I, if you ask me right now, what do I think is going to happen? He's probably not going to be back. I think he needs that. I, I've set the bar at, at, at car. That's the type of year I think he needs to have in order to retain his job. Carr last year, I think, threw 23 touchdowns, 14 picks. He threw for nearly 5,000 yards. I'm not necessarily expecting that 
but he won football games with less than ideal circumstances. He got to nine wins. And for me, that's that's what he needs to do. Daniel Jones needs to put the Giants in a position where they can't draft a quarterback or they can't trade up for a quarterback. And people talk about how you could always trade up. Not necessarily the case. Nobody drafted no. a quarterback this year. Everybody's going to be in the market for, uh, to potentially trade up. And other teams maybe able to offer more than us. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They got an extra first-round pick. So we'll see in the offseason. But I think Jones – I mean, if I have to put like a statistic on it, I think he needs to do what he did in his rookie year and take away the fumbles. Um, I think he needs a two to one touchdown interception ratio and we need to win games. If he throws 30 touchdowns and the Giants win five games, six games, doesn't matter. They're in a position to reset the rookie clock. They're going to do it. They didn't extend them on the fifth year option. So I think Jones needs to win at least eight or nine games and have a pretty good statistical year. Do I think he could do it? I do. I don't know if he will, but he has all the help that, you know, he has a lot more help than he's had in the past. Let's put it that way. I think we could all agree, especially you guys, that Dable's a huge upgrade over Jason Garrett. Um, and the addition of Evan Neal on the right side as opposed to Nate Solder. So, and I am of the belief, and maybe this is a hot take, I don't know. I think Saquon Barker's going to have a mega year. Um, uh, two years removed off the injury. And I think the way they're going to utilize him in this scheme, I think everything sets up well for Saquon, which should only help Daniel Jones as well. So, and he plays a soft schedule. Like, you look at some of the Very, teams we're playing. Yeah. So, like, I think nine wins is the, is is what he needs to accomplish to keep his job, and he needs to play well doing it. You mentioned Saquon, and this could even be for Daniel Jones, too. Are you picturing more of, like, an efficient year or volume-wise, like, wow, this is, like, look at these yards, look at these touchdowns? Because Daniel Jones could come out and have a year that's 20 touchdown passes, uh, a 66 completion percentage, which I think that's that's really high. You, know, you mentioned Derek Carr. His last year was like 67 points something. So, you know, Jones can have an efficient year, win some games, right? But maybe not a wowzo volume year. And then you mentioned Saquon Barkley having a monster year. Monster year is tough, at least for me, because that would include the volume numbers. And I don't know in this Kafka-Dable offense, is a running back going to be getting a lot of volume? But Saquon Barkley can be efficient what are your thoughts on that yeah i think i agree with that i don't think they're gonna well i they may run saquon into the brown uh, maybe they, yeah well, i mean because you have, know daniel jones is not josh allen or patrick mahomes so i don't know yeah. what their plan is you know and they have no contract obligations to Saquon after this year so as mean as it may sound what do they care if if they give him 400 touch carries and they yeah. don't think he's gonna be on the team i don't think the giants are gonna run that type of offense but i think he's gonna be utilized a lot more in the passing game like i could easily see him reaching his receptions from his rookie year if he remains on the field for 17 games he had like 91 catches i think they're gonna use him a lot as a pass catcher um and i think he's gonna kind of fill even though they play different positions i could see them trying to utilize him in the passing game the way that we as giants fans for years envisioned Evan Ingram, kind of like a mismatch matched up on linebackers. I don't think it's going to be your traditional screen passes and wheel routes. I think they're going to get creative with him in the past game. I think they'll use him in the slot at times, use him on the outside. Um, so I think he's going to have a big year. I, I Like you said, I don't know if he's going to. The other thing, though, Justin, when I look at our roster, who's going to get the carries if it's not him? Like, is Brita going to be a guy that's going to get more than eight, nine carries a game? Like, we don't, we don't really have like a legitimate number two running back. So, I think he's going to get 20 carries a game on average. And I think he's going to get a ton of catches. I think he's going to be the focal point of the offense. Yeah, we don't have – like, uh, I like Breida. I actually love the Breida signing, but oh, I also do. agree with you. It's like, you're not – I don't know if he's your – like, if Saquon misses the game, like, I don't know if he's your traditional RB2. If Saquon's healthy the whole year, then it's, then it's a good RB2. And then RB3, I mean, we have a battle between Gary Brightwell, who I think everyone hates – <laughs> um, Jashawn Corbin, an undrafted free agent, and the guy I actually like the most, and Antonio Williams, who's been on a practice squad the last two seasons as a UDFA. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that running back room plays out. Hopefully, Saquon's able to stay healthy. Going back to Daniel, I had this conversation during our day three draft stream, and my thing is like, it's going to be better. One, the biggest upgrade will be Jason Garrett to Dable and Kafka. That is the biggest upgrade. But then also, like, Evan Neal being there is, I mean, Nate Solder, Evan Neal. Like, I think Evan Neal is going to come in and be really good right away. You know, maybe not dominant, what is, you know, you know, like, best, you know, right tackle in the league. But I think he's going to be really you, good you right away. You think he'll transition better than Thomas did? Yes, abs abs absolutely. You know, and I liked, I love Thomas, but I thought Thomas would have struggled early on. 
where uh, Neil, I, I don't think, especially being at right tackle, some of his issues can be hidden a little bit. And with Jones, it was the rookie season where were they some great offense? No, but there was a lot of flash and good moments with a horrible team around him. Yeah. Like think about how bad that offensive line was and the wide receiver group. Like think like Darius their number one number wide one receiver, receiver is a, like could be our number five right now in Darius Slayton, you know, and that's three <laughs> years. And obviously he's just and then the we don't need to revisit. So it's it's gonna be better. My question, like you said, is how much better? How much better is it? Is it you know, twenty three touchdowns and thirteen interceptions, but you know, not moving the ball as well? Uh or what? Because I don't know if you know, I would love to see it to be 33 touchdowns, eight cool. interceptions, you know, 4,500 yards. But that's that's a you know that's a big leap of faith to have. So it's like you said, it's how much better. And I think you said it. I actually gonna steal that opinion from you of like he needs to get to the level that Derek Carr's at to be able to give himself either a franchise tag or a one year, you know, like some type of yeah. like reasonable one year deal. If you look at Carr's contract, and when I initially saw Carr's contract, I flipped out. I was like, "How in the world?" And I don't hate Carr. I think Carr's a slightly above average starting quarterback. I think he's like a between like twelve to fifteen in that ballpark. But when I saw the contract, I was like, three years. It was like forty one or two million dollars a year on average. But when you actually look at the contract, they could get out of it, out of it after this year. It's only a five million dollar dead cap, but after this year, so I could see the Giants doing something similar with Jones if he puts them in a position where they, they can't draft a quarterback. And if Jones continues to progress, then you talk extension. But I don't think I see a scenario where Jones gets a four- or five-year extension unless he does something no. with, said, like 38 touchdowns. Like, if he has a Josh Allen year, okay, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think it's damn near impossible for him to get more than a one-year type deal. You know, um, like you said, it could be something like that where they – they put it where it's not a big dead cap hit, which actually would be smart of them to do if that's the way it ends up happening. But they did guarantee some money to Tyrod Taylor next year too. So it's going to be interesting with those two specifically because it's it's truly make or break time because both contracts are running out at the same time. Let me, let me ask you guys a question. I was thinking about this as we were talking. I'll start with Justin on this. What do you think is more likely if you had to pick one? Saquon Barkley sees, sees more time here with the Giants or Daniel Jones? Saquon Barkley. I know you asked I, Justin first, but to me, it's Saquon. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I would one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this in there. I think it's more likely Barkley stays on with the Giants if Daniel Jones sucks, because then Joe Shane could say to himself, "Okay, now I'm gonna have extra money to play with. I'm gonna have a quarterback on a rookie deal. I can afford to give Saquon thirteen if he has a great year, twelve, thirteen million dollars on a three-year, four-year deal to help assist my." young quarterback at the at the beginning of his upbringing so i think his probability of staying with the giants barkley long term increases if actually jones struggles and here's the thing that i've been like daniel jones he's a qb um going into each year i've been stressed about daniel jones like i like there's pressure i want him to do really good this is the first year i'm going into with no stress with saquon i think his contract and his future is way more interesting than daniel jones because Saquon has been a great player. Okay. Yep. He's proven to be a great player in this league. And then he had the injury and then bad last year behind a battle line. And he also didn't look good himself. You know, he I think he's very, still recovering mentally too. Yeah. He looked very hesitant. So, but he also plays the running back position and he's had a lot of injuries at that position. So it's like, even if Saquon has a great year, what does he get? And not just saying like, not saying you move on, but like, I, I don't know if Saquon will garner what those top running backs in the league have gotten contract wise like even all even if you give him put him out in free agency like who's going to invest that type of money in saquon barkley so i could see them bringing him back so on like a reasonable deal and that's even if even if he plays great um i think they bring on a reasonable they could could you that and you can't deny that their saquon means a lot to the new york giants organization he is a star player and that does matter when when it comes to behind the scenes um and and with john mayer so i'm i'm fascinated to see what happens what where saquon barkley is and what kind of contract is under this time next year yeah i think that's an interesting storyline this year yeah and a lot of it has to do with i think in my opinion not not just the volume you know like like we said you know if he has 80 something catches great i mean a lot of that can be manufactured by scheme and if you have a scheme that is good you know, you can have players that really, really are good on a volume basis, but if you look at some of their advanced stuff, you know, what are they doing? What is their own individual play 
doing to separate themselves from what the scheme is already giving them. So that's something that's an, another thing that we're going to have to be looking at. And I, and I love looking at, you know, rushing yards over expected, uh, yards after contact, um, things like that. If Saquon Barkley is returning back to his 2018 form of topping the NFL and the rushing yards over expected stuff, um, yards after contact, getting that above around that 2.3, 2.4 range, uh, then I, I'm i willing to explore something. Yeah. 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 We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Chris, you were talking about tempering uh, expectations before. Yeah. How weird is it that we're talking about a football team and, you know, a lot of our lives centered around the the New York football giants? How weird is it that we're talking about a football team that if we win six to eight games, we're going to have, like, 2016 energy? Like, the fan base will feel 2016 energy if we win, like, six to eight games this year. I have us at seven wins, and maybe I'm too much of a homer. Um... No, and I love this, and I want to respond to you, but keep going. I think the biggest reason why I and Vegas does too, by the way, I think Vegas has a, a seven or seven and a half. It's because of the schedule. It's not because of any of the changes to the roster. And I do think they're going to be upgrades. I think obviously the right tackle is the biggest one and the coaching staff, um, the, the, the offensive part portion of the coaching staff specifically, but I think it's the schedule. Like I look at our schedule and I say, all right, we're literally playing the three weakest divisions in the NFL, arguably our own division, and then obviously the two divisions we play with the, I think it's the uh, AFC South, yeah. which is horrific and not horrific, but not very good when you look at the, with the, uh, at the surrounding talent. And then we play the NFC North, right. Which, which obviously has like teams like the lions. And so there's no like powerhouses on our schedule. I look at last year, look at the quarterbacks we play this year. We play Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and that's about it in terms of upper echelon quarterbacks. When you look outside of the division, um, so I think we're going to have, I'd be, if we stay and yeah, we also have to factor in, can we really be as hurt as we were last year? I know the giants always have a ton of injuries, a load of them. I don't think we're going to be as hurt as we were last year. And the other thing I'll throw on top of that, if Jones goes down this year, I think we could still win football games where last year we couldn't, I think Terod Taylor's a guy that could at least step in and play acceptable, acceptable football. Um, so I think six to eight wins, what you said, is kind of my expectations going into the year. But I just find it to be so crazy that, uh, like, that that is our expectation. And even if, like, yes, that's, I think that is my expectation, that is your expectation. I think Bobby would also agree, too. But it is still so crazy that I feel like we would just celebrate that because of, because of the crap, because of the crap that we have been experiencing. And also, if there's just a capable, uh, competent offense as well. But one of the things that has been really bothering me um, as kind of the, the weeks have kind of gone on, you know, we talk online all the time and people that just say, well, this season doesn't matter. This, no. this season is about 2023. Like, no, like the giants should sh- show progress and expecting the giants to win seven, eight games this year. That's how you show progress. It's not just tanking to get the quarterback and then boom, you're going to snap your fingers and become a winning program. This year should be about showing progress, and that's why this year is so important, even though there are so many question marks and possibly so many guys on this team that won't be on the team in the future because it's about starting something. You have to start it's like, something. It's like Judge's first year when we won six games. We said we showed progress, even though it was obviously misguided progress, but we showed progress, so the fan base was excited. Um, so, yeah, that's my outlook, man. I'm, I'm with you, and listen, the difference between five and nine wins in the NFL – is inches. I know that's like a cliche phrase, but it's the truth. And you go back to last year, and I say this every year, and the Giants just seem to be a bad team that finds ways to lose games. We were this close to being a 7-1 team last year with a much harder schedule. Uh, everybody would agree we should have beaten Washington. That's five wins uh, in that game in which Darius Slayton dropped the ball, Dexter Lawrence jumped off sides. The Falcons game, we probably should have won. And if Jones doesn't get hurt, we probably win at least one more game. So, should have beat Kansas City. Yeah, we could have beat. Yeah, I mean, so... We were at least on paper a six or seven win team last year. We had a ton of injuries this year, and we're playing a much softer schedule. I think six to eight wins is reasonable. I think that's why I'm still keeping my expectations so low. That it's like, all right, if they do that, cool. But it's like I'm putting my expectations at like five wins. You know? Oh, come on! I think that, no, I mean, listen, I'm tired I'm of not being hurt. Hate anybody for five wins this year because the team always disappoints. Um, and, and again, it's it's. The secondary is so thin, um, which I'm ready to be hurt. I'm ready to be hurt this year. We've we've been beating that. You know, is that your biggest worry? Because it's mine as well. The secondary is that your biggest worry? Yeah, I think if Adore Jackson is out, that the secondary will lose you that game. 
Yeah, I, like it I, won't be I, good even with him in. But if he's out, like that's a secondary that loses you the game. With that I'm going to give week. you a realistic, I guess, pessimistic take, and I pray to God I'm wrong. One guy the Giants fans are super excited about is Wink. I could see him failing here. I I I I, I don't love the way this team is built for the type of defense he wants to run. Yeah, I, I'm just in, I, I'm just interested to see what Wink does because he is with the new team. Um, so how much does he change his approach? What does he do? You know, it's, you know, where my sticking point with Betcher was always like, not that the defense was bad. It was that you have all these press man corners and you're afraid to blitz and play press man. Like that was always my stick. And they had results whenever the, the few times he did. Um, but I, I want to go uh, move off topic a little bit. We all know we love round one, obviously. And everyone's got their opinions on Wandale and Azubo. Who is your favorite day three pick? That you're, like, you're just the most excited for this season. My favorite day three pick. So oh, you got man. Bellinger, Belton, McFadden, Beavers, McKeith. I, I think I'm gonna Davidson. go. I think I'm gonna go with Bellinger. Um, I like a lot of the guys, but I, I think I'm gonna go with Bellinger because it's an immediate need. I, yes. I think of all the all the people that we drafted. I think there's four guys that I think are day one contributors, and I think he's one of them. Our first three picks and Bellinger are for sure day one contributors. I, I yeah. would honestly be moderately surprised if Bellinger isn't the starter to start the year. Um, and I think he is a guy that has some pretty good upside when, you know, I got an opportunity to look further into him after we drafted him. The guy ran a four, six, three. So he's pretty athletic. He's a block first tight end. It's something that I wanted. Um, I don't, it's something that we desperately needed at that position. So, and that should only help in the blocking game as well, getting an improvement there. And I've seen a lot of people compare him to what we hoped Rudolph would be only on a rookie deal and much younger. And I could see that. I could see him being kind of like a younger Kyle Rudolph. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I would say that that's probably the guy I'm most excited about day three. And that's what I want out of my tight end. That's all I've wanted the last few years. I don't need a stretch the field guy like Evan Ingram, even though he never really stretched the field besides two games a year. Yeah. Um, is I want someone who's reliable. That's what I want out of my tight end position is reliable. If I can, if I am able to get, you know, Travis Kelsey or, or George Kittle or whoever, awesome. But, like, tight end is not a spot where I, I'm, i like, putting a priority on needing a great player. And even sometimes, you know, I've been listening to some stuff, and it's like, even like a guy like Mike Gusecki, who's a really good tight end, good player. it's like, how much of his advantage is he? Because he doesn't block, right. you know? So it's like, it, yeah, it's like, yeah, he's a huge advantage in the receiving game, but it's like, is he enough of an advantage to have the issues that are in the, in the blocking game? So... Um, Bellinger is definitely the answer for me. I hate saying it because it was the first one on day three, so it seems like. But like you said, it's such a huge need right now. Is like he he, and I think he'll have some issues blocking day one. You know, because he's moving from San Diego State to the New York Giants. Yeah, but he's definitely better than Ricky Seals Jones and Jordan Aikens. Uh, who they? Yeah, have, and, so. and they don't block. No. Um So you Ricky know, Seals Jones makes Evan Ingram look like a decent blocker. Exactly. <laughs> Let me ask you, because I know you're a huge offensive line guy. What do you think of Azudu? I think a lot of people felt like that was a bit of a reach, at least on draft day when we took him. The way I looked at it was he's, he fits probably the scheme that we're looking to run uh, as an offense in terms of the blocking scheme. And, and, that, and that even makes further sense when they drafted his teammate from North Carolina. So you have to think they probably run a similar uh, offense to what the New York Giants want to run, at least from an offensive line standpoint. So what do you think? What, what do you think of Azudu? I see. I see they've been working him out of tackle as well. Yeah, I, which I don't get. What's the point of that? Um, I viewed him as like a late third, so picking him where they picked him didn't bother me. But I also had other guys I like more, like Dylan. I like. I really like Dylan Parham out of Memphis, yeah. who ended up going to the Raiders. So that that bothered me. But just just in a vacuum, Azudu there, I, I didn't mind it. I think he would benefit from not playing right away. Like he's got some real things he has to work on with his hands. Let it's it's so much different preparing, uh, you know, practicing to become a better player versus practicing to play, um, you know, the Carolina Panthers in week two. Right. It's just a different way of preparing and working on your craft. Um, so I think he does that. And I, I'm a little, you know, the guy who I'm maybe not as vocally excited, but in my head I'm kind of excited for is Shane Lemieux. I'm excited to see what Shane Lemieux looks like. I still have looks hope like he's for, for Lemieux. It looks like yeah. he's going to start. And I, I, so I'm, I'm excited to see what Shane Lemieux, uh, Lemieux looks like. I loved him as a fifth-round pick, which is a sentence where it's like you love him for where he's taken, um, but that doesn't mean you love him to be a great player one day. But I, I thought that he would be an ascending player, so it sucks that we lost all of last year. But um, 
Uh, I'd like him to get one more shot to at least, you know, look like he could be a decent player this year. Yeah, I, Lemieux, I was not a big fan of him. I, I like Lemieux when we drafted him, but I was not a big fan of him in his rookie year. But no, the limited stops that he had last year in that first game, he actually looked really good. So hopefully that's something he could build off of going, going into year three. That's like my favorite outrageous talking point. I know I hate like that I have it, but it's true. Justin, and people act like he was incredible. <laughs> no, 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 but no, but I, it, it, it's my favorite outrageous talking point that he looked like a different player, and he also had the torn meniscus. That he didn't tear it in that game. I think he, you know, he was playing on a partially torn meniscus in that game, and and that's what really kind of did him in. And he looked like a different player. Like you he said, nineteen snaps or thirty something snaps, however much he played. It's an outrageous talking point, but. Uh, and this is a, I guess this is a hot take among some Giants fans. The the best version of the 2022 Giants offensive line is with Shane the Mule left guard. I, I I really do think that. I know everybody loves the new. Everybody let, wants the rookie in there. He's fun. He's athletic. Sure, but I think the best version of Giants offensive line is Shane the Mule left guard. That's what it looks like. Um, let's see what where are we at time wise. Right, over thirty. So let's let's close it up with some non New York Giants stuff. Um, just because this is the off season, it's kind of like you know get to know Chris Antana. I I look back at stuff we did when we first started, and it's like I definitely wouldn't do that uh, this way. I want to at least approach it this way. This might be something I might say on the show, but not tweet out. What's something that like you did early on content wise that you look back at and like cringe at or like I I've learned from like what is what is what is something like that because it's. I have a lot I guess of my, I guess my me. Daniel Jones reaction. Uh, <laughs> like, I definitely, like, look back at that. And I, I mean, even though I may end up being right about my initial reaction, which I'm not bragging about, that was 95% of Giant fans. Um, sometimes I cringe at that. I'm like, eh, I probably should have. I should have composed myself a lot better than that. Um, but I was, I, at that time, I wasn't taking the channel very seriously either. So, um, so I guess that, if I had to point out one thing, um, also, kind of what we were talking about before we started the the the, uh, the pod is I think I've learned and, and adapted since I've been on YouTube is I, I feel like in the past I used to force way too much content. Now, I don't do that. I talk about the Giants when I feel like they should be talked about. Um, I'm not a guy that's going to just chase content and just say things to say things because then what difference do you provide than what we complain about as fans when you go on Twitter, when you say, oh, he's just doing this for clickbait. He's just doing this for that. He's just, I, I, I've learned to try to step away from the Giants when I feel like it's not the right time to talk about him. Yeah, I, I do, I'd agree with that. And that's honestly something that I started to learn a little bit last year with you know starting to do this a little bit more full-time. You know, feeling like you're not doing enough, but then you do stuff and you work hard on it and then it doesn't do well. But then you put out like a BS tweet and it's like, oh, well, this... This tweet that I literally just thought of sitting on the toilet got uh, 500 likes. So. Well, let's think of one right now. Let's workshop one right now, and I'll tweet out from the talking. What's okay, the tweet okay. that's maybe a little pandering that'll get a lot of likes? Science related. Okay. Hmm. It's got to be positive, and it's got to be. It's got to be about Daniel. You know what? Something Daniel Daniel Andrew Thomas. Thomas. Andrew Thomas is going to be the best left tackle in the league. I don't know. <laughs> That. Do the Derek Carr thing. Say Ooh. what I said on the pod. Say Daniel Jones's uh, borderline stats this year have to match Derek Carr from 2021. But I want something that's like pandering. Like here's okay, here's one. Mm. Here's I've seen this one a lot. Like listen, Daniel Jones may not be the guy, but you're you're insane if I'm not rooting for hell like this kid for her, for this kid something like you that. You have to say listen. You have to say Is that first. to me, Bobby, and I, I agree with you. I see that on Twitter all the time, and I understand where the fan base is coming from because we we have this underdog mentality like we love to be doubted. That's just part of being a New York Giant fan. So everybody rallies behind New York, Gi uh, New York Giants players, Daniel Jones, he's the quarterback. But this, like, talking point that people hate Daniel Jones, I completely disagree with that. I think there, there's a handful there's, of fans. Yeah, there's some. But th that's that's in any fan base. Like, there's people that are just jerks that just Especially when you like, lose. Yeah, yeah they, they want to lose to be proven right. But yeah, I don't yeah. think there's many. I don't think it's as many as people lead on on Twitter. No, there's definitely a, some of those. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, what you thought of a guy pre-draft. Um, you know, like that, like it's called, you know, take lock where it's like you just you want to be proven right. And there is people who want to be proven right. Like there's people after losses who are like happy because whatever happened well, in the loss stupid. proved them right. And when it when it's your team, that's just stupid. Like 
I always want to be proven wrong when I think uh, negatively about a player. And I also have to remind myself too. It's like, um, you know what, Bobby? Not everyone watches the the game over three times through all twenty two and stuff. So like, don't expect people to know what happened on that second and eleven where they are right. criticized. Like, you know. Um. All right. So I, I thought of one. Daniel Jones will undoubtedly something we talked about before be better this year. The question is if it will be good enough for 2023. Wow. That's going to get, you're going to get 500 Deep. likes in the first hour. And all, and also everybody will reply. And that's, you know, you, you, you got to play the game. got to play the game. I, see, I, can't, I even, even knowing that this is a joke and people are going to listen and see, remember this tweet. I mean, I agree with that show. tweet. I agree. Yeah, with I do too. All right, I'm pressing tweet. I'm pressing tweet. We'll check I'm, on it. I'm going to reply, second. wow. All right. Uh, all right. Justin, I think you got a final question we could Yeah, you know what? I'm um, first of all, wow. All lowercase. Like, Chris. Um, oh, here's, here's one. So Joe Judge technically copied you with your style. Let's just get that clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You didn't copy Joe Judge. Joe Judge copied you. But do you plan? Do you plan on embodying either the style of Wink Martindale because he has some good style, yeah, or do you plan on like making it a thing that you keep on? You know that you, that you keep on matching the style of like Giants coaches because you also have Brian Dabes or Brian Dable in his shoes. Yeah, With a black tracksuit. What do you guys think of that black hoodie he wore a lot at the beginning? Are you a fan of that? The all black with the white Giants lettering. I didn't. I, I thought it looked good, but it didn't feel Giants to me. I, I kind of like it. I love black stuff, yeah. Yeah, it looks good. It looks good, but it didn't have that giant feel to me. But, uh, okay, so your question is, do I plan on, <laughs> I guess, like, dressing like Dable or, yes. or a member of the coaching staff on the Wink, team? Well, Wink, I'll tell you what. Wink has, like, the, the cutoff, like, jacket, and he has, like, the, the white under, like, Under Armour Nike Pro Combat, something, like, where it's, like, attached, you know, where it's close to the skin. It's it's tight. So, I mean, that I love that look. I, I'm a big fan of Wink's style. Right. <laughs> so Joe Judge copied your style and then he listened to our show and made references and and press conferences, which I still part of me believes a little bit. It's like no way that guy randomly mentioned Little Caesars. Um right, same I, hat, same sweatshirt, same everything. Yeah. So are are we good, Justin, or is there anything else you want to close out yeah, on? We're we're good. We're good. Chris, we're we're gonna hang out in training camp. We're gonna have a great time. Um you know, the training camp is the best time of the year, at least in my opinion. Some people say the draft. Some people obviously say week one. Um, I say training camp because you're O and O, and you know you have well, all the optimism. Especially with our team, because we're not good. Correct. That's why I say it's the best time of the world because it's 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 close enough where you can get really excited for football. Where getting excited for football with the draft is like it's too far. You're close enough. And you're O and O, so that's why it's my favorite time of the year. So I'm excited let me, let me, to see. Let me ask you. Do you think there's a point this year at any point we're over 500? Uh, no. I'm going to say yes. Because we're not going to beat the Titans week one. I'm oh, going to yes. say yes because when I look at our schedule, we have four games in a row. There's like a month stretch where we shouldn't lose a game. We, I'll say three out of four. I'll be conservative. Shouldn't. And if we could get to I, – I'm not looking at the schedule right now, but I believe it's like our – Six to eighth, or six to tenth game in that. It's like sport. middle middle of October to, or yeah, to like November. If we could get to that stretch, a game under five hundred, or even two games under five hundred, I think there's a chance this year where we could see over five hundred football at one at one point this year. Oh, I'm excited. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, hope so. I'm excited. Uh-huh. All right, Chris, we appreciate you. We'll put your links for everything. Everyone knows where to find you at this point. Um. Thanks again for coming on, my man. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys uh, fit me in. Uh, and, uh, yeah, definitely, we'll definitely do this soon. I'll have you on the channel, uh, yeah, around training camp. Once there's a lot more stuff to talk about, excited to meet you guys at training camp, and let's win some games this year. Let's win some games, Mr. Brown. So was that. All right, thanks, Chris. All right, be good, guys. Hey, Shula, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thank you to Chris the Entertainer for coming on the show. We're going to see him during training camp. And before we get the Giants stories, today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code 
Giants. Whether it's football, concerts, basketball, baseball, festivals, or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you're getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, and you can shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry, we've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. That's code GIANTS for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. All right, let's get into Giant Stores. We'll close out for the weekend. Chris Myrick bought a house in Philly. Ew. A lot of guys Ew. went to the to the boxing uh, match on Saturday at Barclays. Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau, they drove together. Ricky Seals-Jones was ringside. Jameel Douglas was ringside, not together. Jalen Holmes went to a baseball game. Julian Love was enjoying his Memorial Day at the beach. And then guess who else went to the boxing? Tay Crowder. Sandro Plaskummer was riding a beach dougie and was on the beach in ocean kayaking. Guess where? Austria. North Carolina. Wow, we were there. Alex went while we were there. Pretty disappointed in Sandro for not showing up. Alex Bachman spent his birthday golfing with Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton attended. What do you think he attended? A USFL game. Didn't realize those were still happening. What? John John Feliciano was at Heat Celtics game seven. Good ticket. Not as good when you're a Miami guy like Feliciano. Uh, who you got in the NBA Finals? Leonard Williams got a calf tattoo, and Blake Martinez was at the Lightning's Eastern Conference Finals game one. What piques your interest? Was Blake Martinez there with Brian Dable? No. Oh, they weren't sitting next to each other? No, I guess the culture's not good enough for that. Mm. Mm. Joe Shane, Brian Dable at the Ranger game. I know this isn't Giants stories. It's not Instagram stories, but... They were at the Ranger game together. That was fun. Yeah, it's just proof of how good and competent they are at their job. All right. On a, re- on a real note, though, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Like, that that would be a cool thing. Like, it, like I, I, I tweeted out, like, please save the Giants because it would be cool if when they show up at sporting events, like, that's, like, awesome. It's like, yeah, these guys, are, and they're hanging out together. So um, I made a gif of it. Well- well, here's what I enjoy that. Maybe I'd enjoy it a little more if it was at a Devils game. Here's what I'm not enjoying is like the Joe Judge would never go to. It's like, come on, guys. Can we, right, well, can that's, we stop? Well, that's the internet. I mean, that's just can what we, the internet can, does. Can, but can I just we, look at it from a point of I'm a Giants fan. And, you know, hey, even though I'm not the big, I may not be the biggest like hockey fan, but just seeing that a lot of like New York cares about this right now. Well, it is crazy that Dable's undefeated at Rangers games. Like, hey, that's a real thing. Hey. Um, Sandra Plattskimmer had the best Memorial Day weekend out of anybody. I mean, go, awesome. riding a beach dougie is fun. Ocean kayaking is a lot of fun. Um, those waves will freaking, you'll ride those waves on those ocean kayaks. It's really fun. And it was in a beautiful state of North Carolina, my second favorite state in the United States of America, which is North Carolina. He was, he, he follows us on Instagram, likes almost every single one of our posts. Humble brag. I made him laugh. And he he didn't stop by. Rude. No. Kind of rude. Kind of rude. And I would have just skipped our event to go beach dugging and ocean kayaking if he would have told me. Yeah, I went whitewater rafting a couple weeks ago and I really enjoyed it. A lot of boxing guys. I mean, Evan Neal, Kayvon, Ricky Seals-Jones, Jameel Douglas, Tay Crowder. I'm sure there's a few others as well. My question is just to Darius Slayton. What, what, unless you have a friend that you're rooting for that's in the USFL. That's one, probably what it is. And two, it was, I mean, it's in Alabama where he went to college. Nobody just goes to those games. I mean, I guarantee you it was supporting a friend that he went to school with. I hope so. I hope so. Um, all right, that's an episode. Enjoy your guys' weekend. Tuesday, we're going to be back with, been putting this off because I've been wanting to save it for like, okay, this is, this is it. Is our good friend, licensed play guy, talking giant string of honor. He'll be coming on the show. So it's always, wow. we end up always going like an hour, 20 hour, 30 with him. Just like, you don't have to really, we prep some questions for him, but it ends up just being a good, fun conversation. I'm excited to hear his time from the, uh, the draft night. Like I want all the draft night stories. You know, he was right yes. there in the mix of Kayvon and Evan Neal. So 
We appreciate you guys. Have yourself an, uh, a very enjoyable weekend. If you're in Florida, hopefully this hurricane doesn't hit us. Tropical storm. See you then. Until then, let's go big blue.